0: Leadership Next is powered by the folks at Deloitte, who like me are super focused on how CEOs can lead in the context of disruption and devolving societal expectations. Welcome to Leadership Next, the podcast about the changing rules of business leadership. I'm Alan Murray. My co-host, Ellen McGirt, is off today, but I'm very excited about the guest we have with us. He is Naren Chowdhury. He's CEO of Panera Brands, which includes Panera, Einstein Bagels, Caribou Coffee. Naren, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us.
1: Real pleasure, Alan. Good to be here.
0: So, the reason I'm so excited about having you here is that it's been my observation that Panera is a very purpose driven brand. Can you talk a little bit about your purpose and uh, how it expresses itself in your business? Sure. You know, I, I
1: really think that uh, leadership uh, is a privilege, and leadership is all about impact. And I think impact that goes beyond creating enterprise uh, value. And I think with that mindset, you know, our purpose at Panera is we want to make the world healthier and happier, healthier because of the quality of our ingredients, our impact agenda, and then happier because of the sheer joy and the craveability of food. So that's our mission. And, you know, it's, it's, I think both elements are deeply ingrained and integrated uh, in the way in which you want to show up as a brand and company. We've always done that, by the way, and we want to do that uh, as we go
0: forward. You have four key principles that you hold the company to. Can you talk about those four quickly?
1: Yeah, so I think when we talk about a healthier world, you know, essentially it is about to always strive for leadership in food ingredients. In fact, our filter is that at Panera, we will only serve food that we would serve to our own children, our own families. So that's the first- principle. first <laughs> Yeah, first pillar, you know. If it's good enough for my kids, then I think it's good for our, our customers. The second is that we want to be a catalyst to unlock the dreams of our associates in the company and actually create a generational progress. So that's the second one. The third one is around community, serving our community. We have this uh, you know, mindset of, we have limited control on the world outside of Panera, but within Panera, we completely own it. So why can't we make Panera a shining example of the world that we wish to see? So that's you know, serving our community. And finally, this this intent of protecting our planet. You may have heard of this African saying, which says that we don't inherit the planet from our parents. We borrow it from our children. And therefore, I think it's a moral imperative that we have to leave the world, the community in much better shape than we found it.
0: Beautiful. Uh, I think the first one, only serve food that we would serve to our families is kind of self-explanatory, but let's spend a little time on each of the next three. First of all, being a catalyst for talented youth from underprivileged backgrounds, how do you do that? Are you providing scholarships, benefits to people who work at Panera?
1: Yeah, sure, so I think even the first one, Alan, as you said, is, is quite obvious for a food company, but I just wanna highlight that. We are leaders in terms of food that is clean, nothing you know artificial, it's responsibly raised, it's sustainable, and it's also climate friendly so it's a very deep commitment and uh, uh, we strive for leadership on that dimension so just wanted to share that i think on the second one that you asked about unlocking the dreams of our associates so here's the thing we we employ about 150000 people you know across 11 countries close to 4000 stores and i think uh, i really believe that success is a function of ability and opportunity And we have so many talented youth that are there from unprivileged backgrounds who are very talented, but never get that opportunity, never get that break in life. And therefore we have this mindset of why can't we, why can't we create that opportunity or give these kids a break? And I think you'll agree with me that the biggest multiplier or catalyst for generational progress is education. We want to sponsor education to begin with, And then I think down the road, we want to also look at other avenues of creating generational progress. It might mean creating a path for well-deserving employees, a path to ownership, perhaps, you know, in the future.
0: What does that mean in actuality? If I work at Panera, what will you do for me?
1: So I think uh, uh, a couple of things, you know, I think recently we've uh, launched a Panera Foundation. This is for underprivileged youth outside of Panera. And we, we partner with about 17 NGOs and we give scholarships and grants to these NGOs that do tremendous work with the youth, primarily around education. So this is outside of Panera. And then within Panera, we have set up a project that we call the Dream Project. And we kicked that off this year. And it was probably one of the most inspiring things that I was a part of. So here's how it went. We we actually opened up a request for application and sponsorship to all our associates at the front line. And we got more than 1,600 applicants. And then we handpicked about 37. And we gave them scholarships for them to pursue education at the basis of the applications that they made. And each one of the executive team members and our franchise owners actually showed up for each one of those 37 conversations and congratulated these kids for having won the scholarship. And the response that we got from them was just you know, so moving and so inspiring. Because as you may be aware, almost 30 to 40% of the youth in the US, when they give up higher education, they do it because they can't afford it. You know, and then beyond that, we have, you know, the uh, accelerated learning programs for talented youth that can be on a fastest track to move from associate to assistant manager to cafe GMs to multi-unit manager and potentially into ownership as well. So those are some of the things that we do.
0: And and is it working? Are you seeing people rise rapidly from entry level jobs to more advanced jobs?
1: So almost more than 87 percent of our cafe general managers are internally grown. Close to about 90% of our above cafe leaders, our area directors, et cetera, are internally grown. We have also recently, uh, you know, during the uh, headwinds on talent that everyone has faced, uh, to win the war on talent, we've come up with a very compelling strategy, which is as follows. We believe that the most important leader in our business is the cafe general manager. And we, we believe in servant leadership and upside down, pyramid, etc. So if we can hire, attract, retain, grow the best talent, we will win. And recently, we've actually invested heavily in creating a very powerful value proposition for any kid who wants to grow their career as a cafe general manager. There's no better place than us for the following reasons. One, we provide a path to financial freedom and ability to earn around, say, $100,000 or more in terms of salary. Secondly, we we say that we're going to give, we're going to be like a school of life for you. We'll not only give you technical education, we'll teach you how to be a better leader, a better human. And you may not be with us forever, but you will be glad that our paths crossed. And lastly, we're giving a wider aperture of career opportunities to our cafe general managers beyond operations. So these are a bunch of different things that we're doing towards helping unlock the dreams of our associates.
0: And then how about the commitment to diversity? How does that play into the equation?
1: So important. So we have committed that by 2023, at least 50% of our leaders, and this is important, representation and leadership, not at the front line. 50% of our leaders will be female by 2023. And 30% of our leaders will be ethnically diverse by 2026. So that, those are the, yeah. some of the uh, exactly. goals that we have put out there.
0: And Naren, one aspect of diversity to the company like yours has to think about is also the question of where you put your stores. How do you think about that? Obviously, you need to have customers, but we've got many parts of the country in the world that are food deserts. You may be priced out of those regions, but how do you think about that? We're a national
1: brand. We believe that everybody is a customer. We want to be accessible to everyone. So as you may be aware, we are, we are actually currently present across you know 48 states. Uh, We're primarily a suburban brand uh, so far, Uh, but we are very rapidly uh, moving into urban centers. Uh, We're looking at non-traditional like airports and colleges and universities. I think on food insecurity that you talked about, here's a fascinating piece of information. You know, 30 million Americans uh, suffer from food insecurity, which means they don't know where they'll get the next meal from. One out of every five kids does not know where the next meal will come from on the one hand. On the other hand, 30 to 40% of what is produced in terms of food is wasted in the country. And this, that is just not right. And, and, you know, being a food company, we have to do something about it. So we have this end of day donation program, where we donate all our unsold bakeries and sweet goods at the end of the day to more than three and a half thousand NGOs, charities worth about a hundred million dollars a year. We've been doing that for the last many years, and we continue to do that, and it's a program that I think makes a ton of sense.
0: I'm here with Joe Ucazoglu, the CEO of Deloitte US, and the sponsor of this podcast for all three of its seasons. Thank you for that, Joe. Pleasure to be here, Alan. Joe, we've had this rising talk about a notion of stakeholder capitalism, that businesses have a responsibility not just to their shareholders, but to their employees, to the communities they operate in, to the natural environment. Is all of that talk
2: real and will it last, particularly when times get tough? I see a pretty durable shift, Alan, with a lot of momentum here. CEOs are prioritizing sustainability, they're prioritizing purpose, they're prioritizing trust. You certainly see some noise. On one end, there's some skepticism as to whether this is virtue signaling. On the other end, there's some lingering debate about whether this broader focus on stakeholders detracts from shareholder returns. If you cut through all the noise, what we're seeing is actually a huge convergence of interest. This is core to sustaining a vibrant capitalist system. If you take a long-term view, the only way that you're going to deliver sustainable shareholder returns is to take really good care of all of those constituents that you referenced. And is it working, Joe? Well, business was at the heart of leading society through the pandemic. Business is at the heart of addressing the climate challenge. We're seeing massive momentum with very tangible commitments and tangible actions towards decarbonizing the economy. So yes, I think the evidence is ample. Joe, thank you. Alan, it's a real pleasure.
0: I know Panera was one of the early stores in adding calorie counts to menus. And and now you're talking about carbon footprint on menu items. Are customers responding to that? Do customers care about the carbon footprint of menu items? Why are you doing that? Yeah, I think
1: uh, I really believe everybody cares. I think climate change global warming is a single biggest threat that is facing all of us collectively and i i do believe that you know people deeply care about this uh this topic and we are all familiar with the paris uh, agreement and, and the commitments that we've made as as nations and so on so i personally passionately believe that we cannot expect just the government and other people to do something about this i think the corporate world and leaders and we as human beings have to step up and do our bit because the problem is just gigantic. And I think it's, it's, it, it just doesn't have one dimension to it. And then additionally, you know, food production contributes 25% of greenhouse gas emission. So we are part of it, you know, and therefore, as a food company, we have to take a leadership and do something about it. So you're right, 10 years ago, uh, we were the first ones to make transparent the calorific value of the food that we serve and it's become an industry standard. And now 10 years later, last year, we worked with the World Resources Institute and measured the carbon footprint of all of the entrees that we serve. And uh, what we found really was very encouraging that 55% of our entrees are climate-friendly and we have labeled them as cool food. And this cool food therefore is an indication for a consumer when they come into contact with our brand that if this is important to them, they can make an informed choice and therefore make just through their the habit in which they consume food, make a positive impact on climate. Let, let me share with you a very interesting stat. If every American was to replace only 10 quarter pound burgers and fries with a chipotle chicken avocado melts from Panera and chips, that's equivalent to taking 16 million cars off the road in a year.
0: So, Noreen, I have to ask you the question that people ask me all the time. You've made all these social commitments, commitment to climate, commitment to diversity, commitment to educating youth from underprivileged backgrounds. How do all those things affect your bottom line? Do they hurt it? Do they help it? Or is it just neutral and you do it because it's the right thing to do?
1: Well, I think you know the only way these things will work, if they are actually... There's a business model that can enable this to self perpetuate, you know, otherwise these initiatives cannot work. And I think that is, to me, that is what makes it fascinating and meaningful that you're able to create enterprise value and have an impact agenda and do it in a way that both actually happen. And let me illustrate that. So we've come across research that more than 90% of, of associates employees, Want to work for companies that are impact driven. More than 70% of consumers are looking to buy from brands that are impact driven, and investors are also looking to invest in brands that are purpose driven. Because I think this has become this profit and purpose, I think is not a trade off anymore. I think I would argue that purpose actually reinforces profit and makes it more sustainable over the mid to long term as long as you can find a way that they both mutually reinforce each other. And that's, that's always our intent, that we want to look for ways in which this mutually reinforces our profit.
0: Naren, this commitment to purpose is very impressive. I, I've read that you were driven in part by your late daughter, and I wonder if you could talk about that.
1: Sure, Alan, I, thank you for asking me about Aisha. So Aisha, um, uh, my my daughter, I lost her in 2015 when she was 18 because of pulmonary fibrosis, um, and you know she she is easily my biggest inspiration because her whole whole mindset towards handling difficulties and challenges, and she achieved more in 18 years than I can do in my lifetime. Uh, she's a TED Talk motivational speaker. Uh, she's an author of a best-selling book called My Little Epiphanies, and there's a movie. On Netflix called The Sky is Pink, inspired by her life. But here's the thing, every time I'm confronted with challenges, I kind of reflect on how Aisha led her life. And and these are the following things that I've, you know, I I bring to life in, in her memory. One is have the courage to focus on what you can control and not on what's happening to you. The second is, you know, lead with compassion. Even as you make difficult decisions, you can always do that with heart and compassion and respect for people. And the third is about being resilient, that you'll get knocked down. But I think what you can do is get up and fight the good fight. And finally, this notion of, you know, windmills, which is when there's a storm raging outside, you know, stand tall as a windmill and harness the fury of the storm and convert that into something that is good and not jump into the nearest bunker and wait for the storm to pass. So those are some of the ways in which Aisha continues to inspire
0: me. Uh, I I love the windmill point. I mean, we have a lot of storms these days, so we need a lot of windmills. You know, our listeners can't see this, but you are surrounded by music paraphernalia. You're a musician. Yes, I am. I'm a I'm a wannabe musician. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, some of what you do supports the Panera brands. Well, you know, I, I, I
1: music I think just is an expression of uh, of just happiness and being authentic and and having fun at work, you know, which is a core aspect of how we work at Panera. We work hard and we have tons of fun. So I have to say that uh, when I was young, my wife used to inspire my songs, and now it is the chicken uh, sandwich or the flatbread (laughs) pizza or coffee that really inspires my songwriting ability. So I've become very prolific and been writing songs. All
0: right, well, Naren, I I don't want to put you on the spot. I do want to put you on the spot. Uh, sing us sing one of your Panera songs, if, if you're willing. Oh,
1: absolutely. With pleasure.
0: Do we need to do a little setup here?
1: Yeah. Just give me a sec. So, Alan, do you like any of our food?
0: I do. I, 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 I love the sandwiches. I don't eat many sandwiches, but if I'm going to eat a sandwich, I'd like to eat one of yours. Can you hear the guitar? can. Okay.
1: okay, since you like sandwiches, I'll do your sandwich song. I've got coffee songs, pizza songs, and I've got all kinds of songs. So. All right. Chicken sandwich, coming in 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 in, in, up in there, I need you, yeah. Chef's chicken sandwich, coming in 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 in, in, up in there,
0: You. beautiful beautiful you've made me hungry naren hey you are in over 100 episodes you are our first singing ceo you've raised the bar for every ceo who comes on here in the future thank you so much for taking the time uh sharing your your passion your purpose and your music with thank me, you alan pleasure. Leadership Next is edited by Nicole Vergala, written by me, Alan Murray, along with my amazing colleagues, Ellen McGirt and Megan Arnold. Our theme is by Jason Snell, executive producer, Megan Arnold. Leadership Next is a production of Fortune Media.